Hi, welcome back to my Teach English in China podcast. This is part two of episode eight: job applications. And、uh, if you have、uh, listened to the first part, you know that I had the privilege to have a very thorough and、uh, in-depth discussion with an HR and、uh, education expert from Singapore, Mr. Lawrence Tan. On many aspects during the job application process, and for the second part, we continued、uh, this discussion, and we covered topics like things that you should avoid、uh, doing, and some advice for non-native English speaker applicant applicants. So, let's hear it. Other materials or that applicants can supply、uh, the employers with to help employers determine whether or not they that they can be shortlisted.、Uh, would you recommend that they include, let's say, a short video or audio of themselves、uh, introducing, talking about themselves, or explaining their their teaching philosophies or actual classroom、uh, performance? Uh, I I would say it depends on the type of、uh, positions that you are applying for.、Mm. For, for example,、um, if if you are a graphic designer, it, it definitely will help if you add in a portfolio of your past designs.、Mm-hmm. And if you decide, if you actually design websites for people, maybe references of past websites that you have created would be very useful because、mm-hmm. they can actually go browse those websites、uh-huh. and look at. Yeah. However. Uh, I I still maintain that the best way to stand out from so many hundreds of、uh, application is a personal reference. Personal so, reference, okay. Yeah, if if you can find somebody who can connect you, always do that as as the the first you know best choice to 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 stand out.、Uh, otherwise, you know any additional portfolio that you can put in, I I think those definitely would help. Okay.、Uh, all right. So, is is there anything that you would advise applicants to definitely not do in this in their application process?、Mm, I would say, um, well, what the resume and cover letter is supposed to sell, you know, you you as a person as a product to the company. In that case, you you try to showcase your achievements. But don't oversell it.、Um, I I've seen a lot of resumes that you know overdoing it, so that it comes out as a little bit arrogant. <laughs> can tell from the tone. So so for example, say that you know you you can actually write that I won the top sales for the year of two thousand seventeen, but it would comes out a little bit.、Uh, Overselling, if you say that you know I was the youngest and the most successful salesperson in my company, so cite specific examples that this could be quoted as you know you could quote as as your own achievement. Don't give description that you cannot back them up with actual achievements.、Mm. So that's one thing. Don't oversell yourself.、Uh, be factual.、Uh, Of course, don't don't be too modest that you don't talk about any achievement too, because it's 
build a, a piece that's supposed to represent you and then the interest in the employer. Uh, but the other point beyond not overselling is never, never sounds negative. Uh, ah. about, you, know, yeah. you know, people tend to like, you know, wants to explain themselves why they leave a certain company or why, you know, they, they had a very short span of time with a, a particular boss or, you know, a, a certain project. But uh, the truth is, even if they, this, you know, your past bosses, you know, associates, colleagues, they really sucks in the re- reality. But you never do well coming up from you as the applicants. So <laughs> right. keep that to yourself. Just keep that to yourself. <laughs> right. you know, talk about the good things and, and you know, just forget about or overlook all, all the, the negative negative stuff that you encountered while working with the organization. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think and, and, yeah, Go I, ahead. I, I would also <laughs> advise that um, in, in the Western context because uh, people are typically quite aggressive in, in, in you know uh, when they are applying for a job. So sometimes uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing tons of you know uh, recommendations of uh, uh, on LinkedIn and all that to say that uh, uh, follow up with a, an email, uh, call the recruiters to see you know whether you are you, you how do you do on the job itself? Are, are you shortlisted? I I would say because China is still a very conservative, uh, you know, uh, nation, uh, the people, um, be a little bit more toned down in, in, in terms of the, of the, the follow-up, especially the HR personnel. So mm. because they deal with huge volume, especially if you're hiring for a big company, right. the HR personnel deal with huge volumes. Right. And if you, if you are every now and then, every stage from the shortlisting until your second interview, until your final offer, you're always harassing the, the HR personnel and how did I do, you know, did, did I make it or all that. I, I, I don't think it, you, you will do very well on this <laughs> first book. Yeah. So yeah. that's a little bit of cultural uh, differences from, you know, China context versus the, the Western part. It, it, I, I think just need to tone down a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Let nature take its path. Yeah. Right. So usually, you know, if if you don't get a if you don't get an email or a callback, you can pretty much safely assume that you're not shortlisted, right? Uh, well, I I would say it depends. Um, you know, certain companies, uh, if they are really big, uh, could take a long time to get back. But I I think general rule of thumbs, uh, if you don't hear from that company after two three months, I think you could just. Take it that you are you're not shortlisted, yeah. Two three uh, months for big companies. Yeah, so, mm. yeah. But but small. I I think uh, certain companies are very responsive. Uh, like even as soon as you put in an email and the right fit that you want, and they are, they want you urgently within weeks that you you hear from them and you get interview. So it, it really depends. I think it could be weeks to months. Hmm. Well, did you remember when you were uh, working in China, when you were uh, hiring for, for positions for, for schools, uh, how, how long did it usually take uh, you and your, your HR department to get back to, your, to the applicants that you want to have an interview with? Uh, when I was with um, the international schools, um, uh, I, I think our cycle is 
pretty standard. I, I would say about a month. One month. Uh, mm. Yeah. So basically, we put up the ad, and we when when the job advertisement is collecting, uh, you know, uh, applications, uh, we would review them based on the weekly or bi-weekly basis. Mm -hmm. So as soon as we have a batch, we we shortlisted people that we think that, that are worth, uh, you know. Uh, looking at, we mm. will start calling candidates. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, 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 I think that belongs to a little bit uh, of a faster, you know, uh, compared to the standard. Because I, at least uh, right now with governments, uh, with the Singapore government, uh, here um, the standard is is like I'll advertise for a month, but that month I would not shortlist any candidate until mm. uh, the deadline is hit then I would shortlist from it. And that process also takes a couple of weeks to, to a month. Mm -hmm. So it, it won't be at, at least two months before you, from the date, date of advertisement, that you get the call if you are shortlisted. Yeah. Okay. So on, on the other hand, you know, sometimes if it's for smaller organizations that let's say they just have one position to fill and uh, when they receive some resumes that look pretty good, then they get back to you almost like the next day or the next couple of days would do you think some applicants might actually feel that oh this is too soon maybe this is not a good place to work with or there's something else fishy going on do you think that uh it would be people should feel uh shouldn't feel that way uh about this type of situation i i think the latter i mm -hmm. I, I would agree with you people shouldn't feel that way depending on the speed of responses I mean, if, if you are totally looking for a company that are slow and, uh, uh, you know, very uh, rigid in, in their hiring process uh, and that, that translates to other areas that they are not so, you know, fast-paced and all that, then I, I think you can make that kind of assumption. Mm. But otherwise, I, I would think that, you know, they, actually it's a good thing, right? I mean, you, you put in an application that the company get back to you if you fit the profile that that should be something that you would admire about about the, the company that is efficient and it is you know at least responsive yeah so 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 they should not be alarmed alarmed by any really fast response right? so actually they should feel good about themselves being considered you know good candidates to 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 be interviewed, you know, very fast. So, mm, yes, I I would be. <laughs> yeah, I would be too. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. So, um, just something that I uh, I I don't know if you remember um, for when you were working in China for those few years. That any really memorable applicants or applications that you came across, and you know that. They, they they just stand out so much that you still remember them now. Well, uh, I uh, there are many interesting applications. I when you see that, yeah. uh, I I am referring to to the background of the different people who are willing to work in China, mm -hmm. and uh, I I I wouldn't cite them because um, you know I personally I I still believe that you know. Recruiting and then HR is, is a very personal thing. Right. And uh, I will just talk generally to say is that you know what what impressed me is is that there are, there are really a wide span of uh, reasons where people are interested to work in China. Right. And uh, 
I would say uh, out of eight, 10 of them, 8 to 9 of them may not be the traditional career you know, improvement reason. Right. They, they are more of like our personal interest in, in, in working in China for, for exposure, for relationship reasons, mm. uh, for various kind of reasons. I, 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 I'm just impressed that by, that by the range of candidates that I get that are interested to work in China for all kind of reasons. <laughs> right. So, yeah. But I wouldn't cite it, like I say, because of, uh, you know, uh, confidentiality mm. issues. Like, Privacy. I, I wouldn't cite any specific examples. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, actually, this is, I, I completely agree with you that I feel the same way, that that's actually partially why I'm, I'm doing this podcast, because it just, yeah, I've, I've come across so many different types of people that, you know, come from all these different countries to work in China as an English teacher. And there are just so many personal stories behind that. And But uh, the other main reason I want to do this is because I, I've seen so much struggle with a lot of these people. You know, being in a foreign country is not easy, as you... <laughs> As you, you, I'm sure you, you have the experience too, but you know, of course you, you have the language ability that helps a lot, but a lot of these foreigners from US or UK or whatever, that they don't have the Chinese language ability and they're all here alone and, and it's just, and, and they're not able to adjust and adapt and all that, they, they just, it creates so much misery, uh, both for themselves and, and for whoever they're dealing with. So that's why, um, yeah, I just, I, I'm just always like, and thinking about these personal stories, and I, I want to, you know, figure something out so they, they before they get here, they can know uh, all the information that they need to know. So hopefully that can help them when they do get here. Yes, yes, I think that that'll be useful. Because I think with the world being so well connected these days through the internet and all the apps, all the websites that, that helps to facilitate all kinds of communications, I think you can minimize that, that kind of you know, difficulties you know, in adapting. And you, you do that by you know, making friends first. Because I, I actually thought that you know, um, to, in this day and age itself, as long as you want to do it, there's no way that, that you can't say that you can't access that information or making that, 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 that network available to you. Right. So, say for example, um, you know, the, uh, well, China bans Facebook, but it didn't ban LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is, is, is one of the most used uh, professional platform. And uh, if you're interested to, to work in China, why don't you make friends with, you know, expatriates from your own country or your own professions that have already been working in China and you talk to these people, link them up first and when you go there, you already have a support network mm. and it is that easy because I, I mean, I've been on LinkedIn for more than a decade mm -hmm. and uh, it's quite easy to connect to people that you have common interests so and, and people are generally quite open to to receive uh, you know a, a connection request if you just type them a nice note and say why you want to hook up with them uh, and they're, they're also open linkedin uh, you know uh, networkers that do not require any special introduction they if you hit them up they'll just 
linked up with you. Right. And I, you can start talking to them. Yeah, yeah that, that's very uh, great advice. And I think human beings have this natural tendency to, to help their you know, fellow human beings. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't uh, worry about uh, yeah, just uh, re- sending some requests to people that you, you feel that might be helpful to you. Okay, so of all the you know, there's um, of all the applicants in for teaching in China, uh, teaching English in China, is that there, there are a lot of candidates that uh, are not native uh, English speakers. So, um, you know, um, I think they they kind of have a disadvantage um, when when applying for this type of job. And so, for those who do have pretty good uh, academic background and really good language abilities and all that. Uh, these non-native speakers, do you have any suggestions for them in in, in this uh, process, application process? Actually, Ming, I I totally agree with you that they are in the first place they, they are disadvantaged mm-hmm. by by the fact that I I am quite well aware that uh, most Chinese uh, do prefer a native speaker if they are learning. English, uh, you know, yeah, and and you know, non-native speakers, be it from coming from Hong Kong, you know, uh, Taiwan or or, in, or Singapore for that matter, mm-hmm. because um, even though like in Singapore English is our first language, but the essence is different. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not taken that well compared to to a native speaker. Yeah. So. I, I I will totally acknowledge that, and I I would think how you could make it better is is actually focus on your strengths because because you are you are bilingual. You, I mean by by the pure fact that you are non-native speaker, you actually have another language that you are you know proficient in. So I I think that's that's a strength that you should play up with that you can help them more. If let's say you know you you're dealing with non, uh, you're teaching non-native speaker too. I mean, right? So, uh, that's that's one advantage. Uh, the other advantage I think we talk about that is is uh you could help by sending maybe uh your own presentation how you teach you know in the class uh or a just a uh vocal uh, records of you know your own the uh, you know presentation. So. I, I think you, you could actually uh, help the process by giving more information. Mm, okay, that, yeah, that, that, those are great advice. So one, uh, play up uh, their strengths and, and, and just point out that they're, they themselves are, have been learners of English and you know, how, so that they, they, they can empathize with the students better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they can, uh, supplement their application with uh, a video or audio clip just to show that their yep. accents okay all right so <laughs> i think uh, uh i think i've asked you a lot of questions and there's so much useful information from you and is there anything else that you would like to share that i have not asked uh well i i think we we spoke generally about recruiting process and all that but ultimately uh after you've gone through that process you're going to work in china and if you are 
not a natives because a lot of uh, those kind of limitations that we spoke about earlier on will come into play. So I, I, I personally would uh, recommend, you know, whoever is interested to work in China to spend a little bit more time to do your research. Make friends, connect with people through whichever platforms that you could find and uh, try to find a, a few points of reference beyond your workplace. Mm-hmm. Of course, generally, I mean, when you hit your workplace itself, you you tend to, you know, have, you know, people that you can talk to, real people that you can talk to. But it, it really helps if you do that research and make the connections before that. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll give some examples like, you know, certain visa situation, uh, if you have family, you, you are looking for a school for your children, uh, if you have spouses, they, uh, are, are you able to find communities where your you know wife or your husband would be able to you know uh, spend some time whether to uh, find a, a, an employment or, or, or work on the you know certain hobbies that they, they like. Um, so I I think um, is this relocation uh, is is a major decision. It's, yeah. it's not just a job itself. Is is something life changing for you and and your family if you have one? Yeah, so, life changing, right? Yeah, it's it's important to that you really do some uh, research before you just jump right into it. And sometimes uh, it it could come up pretty badly. Like like you know, Ming, you also shared that people who struggles and you know find themselves in a very miserable situation and stuff. And, and you, you don't want that, right? You don't want to be stuck in a totally, uh, you know, strange country with, with no backup support. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. I, I think the two points that you made are definitely extremely important that they, they spend a lot of time doing research on everything. And then, you know, the second one is to make connections and to get more information and help them themselves to, to understand things. Those, those are... I completely agree with you, Lawrence, that it's the, definitely the things that people should do if they consider coming to China to work. Great, great. All right, Lawrence, so thank you so much. And uh, if, if uh, any listeners want to uh, ask you some questions or connect with you, uh, what would be the best uh, place to, to contact you? Sure. Uh, they can hit me up in the LinkedIn. Uh, just look for me, Lawrence Tan. Uh, you can, if you, you know, want to find my LinkedIn profile, I think you just need to type Lawrence Tan, T-A-N, and uh, SkillsFuture. SkillsFuture is the organization I work in. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll include a, uh, a, a note uh, of your LinkedIn profile in in this episode's uh, notes, so they they can uh, people if they want to connect with you, they can um, look for you there. Excellent. Thank you so much, Lawrence. <laughs> um, You're most welcome. Yeah, it's been so I'm helpful. Glad to be able to, to help a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure this will be very helpful to a lot of people. So I'll thank you again. I'll talk to you later. Okay, catch you later. All right, so. I think you would agree with me that Lawrence has provided so much practical pointers and advice for uh, applicants for an English teaching position in China. And there is so much information that he gave us. And so uh, I'll 
um, summarize a few key takeaways from this interview. First of all, point one, personal referral is, is always the best to help you get a better chance of being uh, shortlisted for an interview. And for job sites, uh, try to use multinational ones like monster.com, etc. Point number two, a cover letter is not necessarily uh, very useful for a junior level English teaching position. And so just you can just use a well done resume. And on the resume, highlight your personal attitude, character, aptitude, and include some anecdotal experience to showcase your qualities. Customize your resume to the particular employer. And do not make any technical mistakes in your resume, like a punctuation or spelling, etc. Three, for older applicants, summarize your experience in a clear and concise manner with quantifiable achievements. Do not list everything and make your resume exceed two pages. For younger applicants, highlight personal goals and aspirations. And for anyone, if you have gaps between employments, try to explain it in a cover letter, not on the resume, and state how that gap has helped you improve in some ways. Point number four, keep an open mind about any legal differences between your country and China in terms of the hiring and, and screening process. And information about your age, gender, and marital status, etc. is necessary for employers to know in order to process your visas, arrange your housing, and children's education, etc. Point number five, working experience, language skills, and especially abilities to adapt to the teaching environment are key information that an employer is looking for in you. And if you do not have relevant experience in teaching, highlight your other experiences that uh, share the same type of personal quality and endeavor. Point number six, getting a stellar personal reference is the best option to help your resume stand out and get shortlisted. Point number seven, do not oversell yourself. For example, citing any specific personal examples that you cannot back them up. And do not sound negative. Do not call to follow up. And one month is an average recruitment cycle for China. And do not be alarmed by any fast response either. Be happy about it. Point number eight, for non-native English speakers, Focus on your strengths and how being a learner of English yourself would help you empathize with your students and help them better uh, learning English as a result. And you can include an audio or video clip of yourself to showcase your language abilities and teaching philosophies, etc. 
Point number nine, final piece of advice from Lawrence is to spend a lot of time doing research and make friends and connections that may help you in China. All right, so thank you very much for listening to this podcast. And thanks again to my dear mentor, Lawrence, for uh, spending the time talking to me and share so much useful information with us. So if any of you listeners want to connect with Lawrence, uh, you can find him on LinkedIn. Uh, and the profile's name is Lawrence Tan, T-A-N, at Skills Future Singapore. All right. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you next time.